Yeah, I'm okay. I had a decent weekend. What about you? How are you feeling after the weekend? Uh, I'm all right, but it's... I don't know, man. It's really tough. Everybody else gets to celebrate like some sort of glory at the end of the season eventually. And just once I want the rugby league... Like, I want the rugby league light to shine on me. And I think, like, why rugby league? Why not me? Why? It's okay, big Al. I'm only a game. Wow. Progressive Rugby League. Greetings, John O'Duncan here, welcoming you, our delightful listeners, to another rollicking instalment of the Progressive Rugby League podcast. And speaking of delightful, I had a really nice punt of strawberries today. Oh, and Big Al's here too. Hello, friends. How are you? If, if, if this was a visual medium, I think all our listeners would see the moment my heart broke just then. <laughs> I was genuinely really excited and, and, and quite chuffed to receive such an ugly compliment. But uh, no, it was for the fruit instead. I should, I should have known. Shame on me. <laughs> uh, but thank you once again for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Speaking of heartbreak, shall we get straight into our reflections slash this tiger's life? It's been an enormous weekend. Yeah. And I know you've had... A gamut, a full gamut of emotions. <laughs> Can you take us through it? Yeah, look, it was a really interesting week. I'll start off focusing the week. I felt like a kid, you know, in the week before Christmas mm. last week. I could not, I honestly didn't know how I was supposed to focus on anything else. How do I get through each day? How many sleeps have I got to, like, have I got to get through? It was all about that big day on Sunday. And that in itself was really fun. It was kind of tough to get through because mm. it was, I mean, like I, I've genuinely found it hard to focus on work. Mm. I didn't want to, I, I don't know. I, I found it hard to distract myself. Like it was just. You were normally a very diligent worker. It must be. Oh yes, of course. <laughs> nobody, nobody works harder than Big Al. <laughs> yeah, and that, that, that was really, really fun. And then uh, Sunday, like the day came and like, again, I was so excited waiting for this thing to happen. But then I started to get. Uh, it's almost like I didn't actually want it to, the thing to happen, regardless of what the result was going to be. Yeah. I really enjoyed the anticipation of it. Mm-hmm. And that's like, I kind of find that with most Tigers games most week anyway, because I'm just so into it. Yeah. Uh, but this was obviously a massive game. Um, but it was, it was like I didn't want the occasion to be over because I liked... I like the build-up. I like people getting excited about talking about a Tigers mm. game. Not that they, not that they aren't, don't get spoken about because they do. Yeah. But everyone's talking about, isn't it great? You know, let's all get, you know, let's get behind the Tigers. The whole like the whole community, the whole like Leichhardt was Leichhardt, Balmain, Roselle was just a buzz. Throbbing. Like there was people everywhere. Mm. Like Tigers jerseys started walking down Norton Street by like nine thirty a.m. Yeah. There was just every single business was buzzing with people going to or there to watch the game. Mm. It was really really exciting. And on the Sunday, the ground just was packed half an hour before the game. It was quite Yeah, amazing. I mean, gates opened at 12. I got, I got there at about 12.30 and there was a queue to get in. Yeah. And that's just, that's a queue if you already have tickets. Mm. If, you, if you had to pick up tickets from the box office, it probably would have been longer, longer mm. than that. I will say, now I know that Money means everything when it comes to running a sporting team. Mm. And I, I am genuinely, in terms of its effectiveness for financial return, I am a fan of the whole enter through the gift shop thing that most NRL clubs have decided to put up now. So when you walk into the entrance, there's a merchandise tent yeah. is the first thing you're into. And I get that probably shifts a lot of units mm. and you need you need that revenue stream. But when you're cramming 20,000 people into a severely under-resourced piece of infrastructure that's not equipped to handle that anymore... Mm. Just don't put the gift shop right at the entrance there because, man, it created a, a massive backlog. Mm. Just, of just like you'd finally you'd wait, get your ticket scanned, and then you'd just be in. It was like being in a, like a, a 
Tigers merch mosh pit. It was just you were just stuck in this big hot sweaty tent. Yeah. And I get, I get, I get why they did it, but I was like, come on, guys, you really? I just don't think it's effective for this time round. Mm. Okay, so that's the builder, and we get to game time, kick off. There's a, a throbbing crowd, a bouncing crowd. You look up at the hill. It's a perfect day. The Tigers, like Art Oval Hill, has that Elvis-style lip to the right of the scoreboard when you know it's really a full <laughs> oh. house. And it just looked immaculate. The, the shots from above the ground. Yeah, it, i, I got, got to my... tell you, like, it, looked, it looked great in real life, mm. but it looked even better on TV. Like the, the, right. the, the camera shots of players you know, in field, in action, playing the game with the, the packed hill behind yeah. them, they look spectacular. And it, like in, the Morton Bay Figs, of course. Yeah, like at the ground, it does look just as good, but it looks better on TV. Mm. Like it looks, the crowd looks more, uh, more on top of the players. Yeah, and, and and some of the aerial shots as well, amazing. The aerial just shots amazing. actually put a lump in my throat a bit. When I saw, <laughs> you saw the the packed hill to the left. On the right, you saw is it Roselle Bay or Glebe Bay? Yeah, Bay Run Bay. Yeah, Bay Run Bay, Iron Cove Bay, Iron Cove. It was something like that. It was quite. Uh, emotional. I just looked at that and just went, wow, that is just beautiful to watch in this rugby yeah. league. Yeah. That's giving me this emotion. So, anyway, what did you think of the game itself? How, well, how was, were your emotions was, throughout? I mean, we're skipping over the, inc- the late inclusion of Robbie Farrell. Oh, my goodness. Thing. How could I forget? That was, that was sheer pantomime. Like, yeah. I, I sat back. When this was happening, I'm like, surely they didn't construct this whole thing. Like, whoa. Because like, it was... It just, Go get it your just boots, seemed, Yeah, exactly. Just bring a bag just in case. It just yeah. seemed so ridiculous that mm. it could not be true. But, you know, lo and behold, it was. And so when that happened, the cheer from the crowd was... was how how did that information filter out? Because I imagine some people listened to the radios or had their Twitter feed Yeah, there was, a, there was a hum through the crowd because they, they'd announced the team on the big screen like mm. they normally do and, like, Corey Thompson was there and everything. And then from all around, you heard these little sparks of, like, no, nah, Thompson's out, Robbie's playing. Oh, what? did you hear Robbie's playing? And, like, the whole time, you're like, I don't know what these people are talking about, but that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. And then it came out over the loudspeaker. This just in. Yeah. Corey Thompson injured in, in warm-up and the king of life. Robbie Farah, your captain, coming back. Wow. And, yeah, I mean, that got everybody pretty excited. Mm. Uh, but, you know, realistically, what was he going to do? That's right. I mean, <laughs> he was playing with a broken it was a leg. Good, a good story, but we all knew it was not going to have a happy ending. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the game starts, and your hopes are... Where are your hopes at? Uh, my hopes are... They're, they're realistic, but they're still... I'm I'm an optimistic fella, mm. uh, and I always try to look for the look for the, for the dream scenario. And I was thinking like this crowd, and on paper, the Sharks are a far better team. They Absolutely. have a, like a two or three times better a squad than the Tigers do. But I was like, well, I've seen the Tigers play teams that have just have better squads than the Sharks and do really well. Like mm. they, like when they almost beat Melbourne, and when mm. they like they've had those games, so yep. I know they can do it. And I thought, well, maybe the stakes. And the occasion and the crowd are going to give them enough energy to mm. maintain what is going to be required to beat this team, and it was going to be a solid defensive effort. Is what mm. was, I thought was going to be required. Just and they started solid determination and desperation in defence for eighty or so minutes. And they started pretty well. I mean, that first half, I thought they were in top on the first twenty. Perhaps the Sharks started to get their rhythm, and then yeah. by halftime, it was still very close. And then the second half happened. I, I haven't watched any... I haven't sat down and watched highlights or mm. replays. I don't, I don't know what any of the commentary was throughout the game as well. Yeah. But through the first half, I got... The vibe for me was, uh, oh, I think we're in a bit of trouble here. Okay. And going in at 6-4, no matter how weird that last penalty for the Sharks mm. was, I thought we were really lucky. I was like, yeah. okay, cool. It's basically even Stevens. 
I hope they can come out refreshed for the second half and, and do the same sort of thing, which was have glimmers of hope where they might sort of get a try, but also mm. do enough to hold the Sharks out. Or I thought maybe the crowd would put enough pressure on the Sharks and they'd start making, like, errors. making errors. Yeah. But of course, that didn't happen. And when it all started to, to fall apart, I wasn't surprised, but mm. I, I can't say I wasn't disappointed. Like, it was, it was really... Three tries in five minutes. Yeah, it was just sort of like, come on, like not like this, surely Mm. not. And I didn't, you know, I didn't get upset or like, you know, have a have a like, you know, start yelling at the players or anything like Mm. that. But it it did genuinely hurt. Like it was disappointing, and I knew it was an unlikely outcome. I knew it was possible, but not probable. Yeah. But I still allowed myself to believe, and I like, man, I just so I've said it before. I just really want to be in the finals. Yeah, I, I just, I really want it so bad. <laughs> and I knew this time it wasn't to be. And it's the same thing as like, you know, blaming the referee, right? You can't blame the result of that one game. Yeah. The Tigers lost plenty of games throughout the year that they easily could have won. Had mm. they won one of them, mm. then that game would have been irrelevant anyway. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, on, on the bright side, of course, they, they came ninth, which is their spiritual home. Well, well, so it was really disappointing that the Tigers, they didn't win. It didn't make the finals. But okay, cool. Yes, at least we can claim ninth again. Mm. However, at the conclusion of that game where they'd lost against the Sharks, they still needed results to go their way to claim ninth position. So yeah. they weren't they weren't even a lock for ninth, right? <laughs> they were a wobbly tenth. Like had Newcastle beaten Penrith, yeah. they would have come tenth. So but so what they came ninth. Well, but I still think like you can't wrestle if, if you can guarantee yourself ninth like we did last year. That was a solid nine. <laughs> oh, this year's a big improvement on last year. You, you no, this year's last... definitely a big improvement on last year. And there's so much more. Uh, the, the trouble is the team's now stuck with big money recruits. Yeah, right. That Ivan brought in, which is um, it's just something the team's going to have to deal with. Uh, and I think next year maybe we can try and jag a seven or eighth, maybe, yeah. um, but more likely a ninth. And then the following year, I think once the team has gone through another evolution, then might actually start pressing for something decent. But okay. If we can jag a bottom to uh, like a bottom of the top eight next year, then that would be amazing. I think I read earlier that the Tigers since two thousand and three have come ninth six times. And no one else has come ninth in that period more than once. Oh, I'm pr- I'm pretty sure that the uh, yeah the, to the Tigers are the l- league leaders. The mm. NRL since the inception of the NRL, no team mm. has come ninth more than the West Tigers. Yeah, have, and so. not just league leaders, like invincibles. We've got we've got ninth. Look from a neutral's point of view, I was going for the Tigers. Going for the Tigers yeah. it was such a romantic story, but. It was good to see Sean Johnson play a, a starring role mm. in such a big game. And for his new club, he's had a mixed year, obviously, but he was very assured. And, you know, his kicking game was, was really good. And I've been critical of his kicking game in the past, but it was good to see him step up in a big game because he's had a mixed year and basically was let go by his old team who basically said, we don't think you're as good as everyone thinks you are. Yeah. So, you know, for me, I was glad to see him play quite well. Another highlight for me was watching on the telecast at the end of the game after Paul Gallon kicked a field goal. It was quite a humorous moment. On the sideline, he was interviewed, and the sideline eye, who I think is a very good sideline eye, uh, she asked, is this a dream come true? Then I thought to myself, I, I can't see Paul Gallon dreaming in his childhood going, I can't wait. <laughs> To play off the eighth against the Tigers. (laughs) That's my dream. Look, it was a a great occasion. And the way it all worked out, it built up beautifully. It was a beautiful day. And it was a packed house and looked just spectacular. Yeah, what what really gets me is the the Tigers have a habit of times where they provide their fans with an occasion, right? Mm. Times where they they engage everybody that has anything to do with or around the Tigers. And they get this massive crowd and everyone's there in anticipation. Mm. They almost always lose on those things. And Mm. I I find that for a guy like me, it doesn't matter. Okay, I'm coming back next year. I'm coming, like, whatever. Mm. I'm, I'm hooked. 
But I, I know that there are those moments. There are people that are edge fans. Like they yeah. they liked Balmain or West when they were a kid or mm. you know, they liked the Tigers in 2005 when they were at primary school or something. Mm. They're, they're, they've got a very casual interest. You know, if they're doing well, they'll, they'll re-engage. Yeah, sure. And so in those moments, they do re-engage and they come and they walk away disappointed. And yeah. I, I mean, how many times... I mean, someone like me, you can do that to me every time. I'm just like <laughs> one of those inflatable clowns. Hit me in the face and I'll knock back up. Um, but those people, I'm just worried that the next time it happens and it will happen again might just be the last time. Well, they've done it six times, so I reckon they'll do it seven or eight. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, um, so then uh, once again, I'm left with uh, a lonely September. Okay. Um, So the usual... Usual exercise for me of looking at the finals teams and deciding what to go, like you know, who to go for, and I don't know, it's all a bit same old, same old for me. So I really don't know what I'm going to do well, for the rest of this month. What about the NRLW? That's a new, fresh concept. Is that oh, something? Yes, that- yes, that's right. You know what? I'm going to get right. Not that I was not going to anyway, but I'm going to get. I'm going to ignore the finals and go right into NRLW. <laughs> well, don't ignore the finals. We have a podcast to do. Oh, but, that's right. Okay. Well, <laughs> but yes, the NRLW does commence this weekend, and it's if it's anything like last year's comp, it's going to be close run. And high quality. I think last year all teams won matches with Brisbane coming out on top. And, you know, Brisbane will obviously be hard to beat again with the likes of Ali Brigginshaw, Chelsea Baker in their midst. But who really knows? Do I certainly don't. Do you want to know who my smoky is for the NRLW? Please. It's New Zealand. Okay. I think New Zealand have, after last year, they're, like, they've got such a huge talent pool. Mm. Really, really talented athletes in that team. And I think now they, they sort of know what they're doing and they know what it, what the season's like. Yeah. They will have prepared much better. Okay. And I reckon they're a real, a red hot chance. I saw them, I went to the, the Warriors-Dragons, I think, prior to the Warriors-Panthers final last year. Oh, yes. And I loved it. I physical, cool, physical. Skillful. Physical with a bit of fun. Yeah. Yep. I'm really into it, so that's who I'm on. I'm all in on the Warriors well, for the NRLW. I was going to ask, with your permission, if we could big our Adopt Warriors as our team. Let's do it. It's done. Fantastic. We attended the Women's State of Origin earlier this year, and the, the clear standout for me was Kira Dip. She's tall, athletic, skillful, with a big boot. Now, she wasn't in last year's competition, but this year she joins the Roosters, so I'd imagine they'll make a big difference to them. Then again, though, her Blues halves partner, Maddie Studden, has left the Roosters for the Dragons, so that should strengthen them. Mm. I think the Warriors, for me, from this side of the ditch, they're a bit more of an unknown quantity. Apparently they've recruited a couple of players with Rugby Sevens experience in Fiji, so that should make things very interesting. Hopefully we see some sparkling Rugby League. Of course, and as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, the highlights of the season will undoubtedly be the standalone fixtures in Auckland on September 22, and at the Grand Old Leichhardt Oval, on September 29. In conclusion, bring it on. Yeah, but I, they are two I, important I, fixtures. Yeah, I, I can't wait for those two games. Um, it's unfortunate that the... I mean, it's great that the New Zealand game's in New Zealand because mm. it would be weird if it was in New Zealand but not in New Zealand. <laughs> That's right. But it does mean that we can't go. Uh, but the Leichhardt one, we definitely can go to. And any Sydney-based rugby league fan, I, you know, I would strongly encourage to go because mm. the NRLW is just... I mean, it's like the Women's State of Origin. that has gotten better year after year yep. after year. And the crowds, the quality of the game, and the TV ratings are just like... It's yeah. a it's an awesome product on its own. And yeah. I think the NRLW can follow the exact same path. We've just got to show that there's a there's an audience for it. So mm. there, which there undoubtedly is. Um, but vote with your feet, people. Get there. And also, yeah. another, another occasion to... Soak up Leichhardt Oval because those occasions are becoming rarer and rarer. Yeah, that's true. Well, I think we all want here at Progressive Rugby League a standalone women's competition. It will happen sooner or later, but if we get great crowds to these two games, it'll happen sooner rather than later. Yes. So that's NRLW. Really looking forward to that. Look, I have a reflection for this week. Now, as you know, Big Al, it's that time of the year, isn't it? The regular season is over in the NRL and the championship. One more thrilling round to go in the Super League. We'll get to that later. 
And then it's the finals. And it's a bittersweet part of the season for people like us who love the game, value the company and companionship that the game of rugby league provides us every week, the way it blankets us. And yes, we're getting to the pointy end when the cream supposedly rises and the quality and intensity hits heights that never cease to amaze. But there's also less of it. No more Thursday night games to ease your way towards the end of the week. And pretty soon, Saturday and Sunday Arvo footy becomes but a warm memory. I suppose it's that old dance that rugby league has grappled with since day dot. Quantity versus quality. Mm. In this case, quantity of the regular season versus the quality of the finals. But the discussion between the two cues is played out in many ways throughout the game. Most notably in the debate on the number of teams that should be in each competition. In the NRL, should it be 16 or 18? Or heaven forbid, 12? In the Super League, is 12 the ideal number? Or does 14 make more sense? The NRLW has four teams, surely too few. But what's the sweet spot before you affect the quality? And then you get to the length of the respective seasons. Are loop fixtures a sign that your season is too long? <laughs> loop fixtures. Is the three... gonna, can we make a t-shirt? Yes. <laughs> what would it say? I don't know, but it's something about loop fixtures. What's a loop fixture? <laughs> is the three-week NRLW season even a season? Should the NRL men's season be shortened to increase quality, which could at the same time increase quantity of the international window? And what about the debate over golden point? Is extra time prioritizing quantity over quality? I have opinions on all these, and if you must know, they are as follows. Eight, <laughs> 18, 14, 8, yes, no, yes, and yes. But the point is, the quality versus quantity thing is a constant tension. And that's probably a good thing, because you wouldn't want one to get the wood on the other. Because sometimes you want to see the best of the best in a cutthroat grand final showdown, one game. And sometimes you just want to binge on a Super Saturday in the NRL into a Toulouse Olympic game into a Toronto Wolfpack game, into a Catalans game, into a London game. <laughs> Quality and quantity, I suppose, is a place for both. You do raise some very interesting points. I'm listening. <laughs> you think 18 teams is the, the optimum number for the NRL? I'm, I'm surprised. Well, I mean, a lot of people seem to think that 16 is the ultimate number. But, I mean, what's that based on? We all I think it's just because that's what it is now. Mm. So, I mean, that's, heard, that's the best. I've heard Andrew John say 12 teams is best. You'll get better quality. But I, I just don't agree, if I'm honest. We watch a lot of lower-grade rugby league. There are plenty of good players out there. The question is, are there enough coaches to make them good I players? I don't think... I think it's less about the amount of talent. Mm. It's it's more about the, the spread of talent. Because yeah. even now, in like with a tightly policed salary cap, you mm. still have haves and have-nots in terms of, of squads. Mm. Like, the Roosters in Melbourne are teams that have a lot more talent than other teams, even though they're all spending the same amount of money. Yeah. And I just think if you have more teams, then you won't get... Teams won't leave the stacked teams. Yeah. They'll just spread me more thin against the have-nots. And that's a lot of that's true. probably got to do with of salary cap management, obviously, but a, a player's desire to win, like yeah. be on a winning team. Um, and plus, you know, there's all the, the shady backdoor, murky world of uh, third-party payments and all that sort of stuff. I don't know. Who knows how it works, but it'll, be, it'll affect the bottom more than the top. Yeah, you might be right. But I, I suppose my attitude comes from the fact that I want to see expansion in the Australian game, but I don't want to see it at the expense of Sydney clubs, you know, people saying West Tigers should relocate to Brisbane or the Sharks should. I just don't think that's necessary. Why, why do that to hundreds of thousands of people if you don't have to? I don't think the quality of the competition would suffer much at all if you go from 16 to 18. So you get to, to keep the tribal nature, which is so effective and makes 
days like yesterday possible and then you can still spread the tentacles i agree that there is a Should limit you call them tentacles it sounds so insidious <laughs> well i didn't say testicles said, I said, okay. say can we say roots okay branches <laughs> extend the branches okay we can say that <laughs> obviously there's a limit so at, yeah. you don't want to go to 20 or 22 but i think 18 is fine i'll tell you what i was looking back at some of the historical ladders as because as i was fantasizing mm. about the, the tigers making the eight i started going down a rabbit hole of looking back at the last the ladder positions of the last round of premiership seasons before and when you look at the ladder when there's 20 teams in there it's amazing to think that that we once had a, had a competition with 20 teams. Yeah. When you look at it all, you, you realize, man, that's too many. Like, that's yeah. a lot of teams. Agree, um, agree. So I think 18 is probably pretty close to too many, but I also agree with um, all your other points as well. So I would think there's a lot of people who would say, look, why should you have so many Sydney teams? It's not fair on the other parts of the country, especially in Queensland. And I'd totally take that point. I would, I would flip that and say it's unfair on the Sydney teams to have so many Sydney teams and highly beneficial for anybody that's not in Sydney. Yeah, okay. But I'm talking more, more from the point of view of Queensland fans who want you know, more teams to support and Southeast Queensland theoretically should have another team or the Sunshine Coast and they're all reasonable options. I just think the way the AFL has a competition set up, they have the best of both worlds. Nine or ten teams in Victoria who just play off each other and it's incredible when you get to the finals and those teams are playing against each other. They get 90,000, 100,000 people to finals and they also have teams in other parts of the country two teams in New South Wales, et cetera, et cetera, which can build a state-by-state rivalry. So I wouldn't want to get rid of that in rugby league where we have a similar situation in Sydney and I think we can spread a bit further elsewhere. Anyway, I'm sure a lot of people have their opinions on that. So that is our reflections. Do you have anything else you want to add? Just that that first Friday after the grand final Mm. when I leave work and I go, oh, what do I do now? That's it right. happens to me every year, yeah. and it's a lonely feeling. It sure is. I mean, luckily, I'm, I'm, and trust. I love summer. I love the summer. Oh, yeah. I love beaches, and I love holidays, like everybody else. You I love, love singlets. Stuff. I love. Oh, I'm a singlet fiend. But yeah, just that that first couple of weeks, it's pretty hard to mm. adjust. Yeah, you're dreading it already. Okay, there are reflections. Let's get onto the mailbag and hit it. I see you on the other side of the interwebs, and you fill me with intrigue. Okay, mailbag time. Let's start off with friend of the show, Laurent Garnier, who got in touch this week sharing some photos of the rugby league road trip of Carcassonne assistant coach Fred Carmel. He's been doing the reverse of what we did. He's come from the south of France and is making his way through the rugby league hotbed of old Sydney town. And there is Fred smiling brightly with Tigers legend Paul Ciro Sirinen, who of course spent the 1999 season with Villeneuve. Did you know that, bigger? I actually did not know that. There you go, but, I, but, but now, I think back, now that does make sense because I do remember reading an interview with Paul Sirinan that mm. said two things. Mm. He's become an ambassador for Krispy Kreme Donuts back when they first <laughs> opened in Penrith. Yeah. But they, he, I remember one thing out of the article, he, he said, he was talking about something un-Krispy Kreme related. Mm. And he, he said, he mentioned, oh, they've given me one of those fancy a- um, accents above above the R in my name. Oh, and that's what it was talking about. Now oh. I remember. <laughs> 
Yes, people say he's a one-club player, but he's not. Because A, he played for Balmain, he played for Sydney Tigers, and he played for Villeneuve. <laughs> and there is Fred also with Roosters coach and French rugby league enthusiast and legend Trent Robinson. Now, Laudon helped facilitate these visits. What a guy. Laudon also shared another great example of French rugby league passion in the form of a classic piece of rugby league commentary from an iconic moment in recent rugby league history. Big Al, here's a test of your French abilities. Has any of the language stayed with you from our trip? Mm. Let's have a listen, and I want you to tell me which game this was. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm gonna. I, like, I didn't understand a word that was said, and mm. it was very fast and very, you know, throaty. Mm. I'm gonna have to guess that it was the Catalan Challenge Cup win from last year. Oh no, unlucky. No. no, it was actually the final moments of the Brisbane North Queensland 2015 NRL Grand Final. No, yeah. oh, that is amazing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, next time I hear that back, when I hear that back, and I'll do it after the pod. I'm sure I'm gonna hear like Thurston and Ben Hunt and like names all over the place. Now that I know what it yeah, is, Thurston. That's what uh, you might have. I, 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 thought, I thought he was saying Gasson. I'm like, well, Gasson means boy. He's not saying that. Like, Gaston. <laughs> ah, that so, was excellent. Yeah, that was commentary from Rudolf Pudez and French great Louis Bonnery from being sports from a couple of years ago. Sensational stuff. Now, Laudon also told us to keep an eye out for a French female player of the future, Lauriane Biville, who is making her way through the female playing ranks in Queensland with the dream of plying her trade in the NRLW. She's 20 years old. Excellent. And Laudon brought her down from Carcassonne a few years ago, and she's going from strength to strength in Queensland so up there. So this is something that we spoke to Laurent about mm. when we visited him in uh, Perpignan, yeah. about his connection with finding French players that want to get in, get in touch with NRL and bringing them over and making those connections. So yeah. well done. Yeah, fantastic. Look, on. you really are an ornament to French Rugby League and by extension, International Rugby League and by double extension, Rugby League in general. Love your passion. Don't change. Yeah, please do. Don't change for you. <laughs> Don't change a thing for me. You're going to have to pay in the uh, Michael Hutchins estate for that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they won't mind. They love rugby league. Elsewhere, Ian East from Leeds or Ian from East Leeds, our eyes, ears, nose and toes from West Yorkshire, shared an interesting article relating to our chat on introvert and extrovert fans in rugby league from a couple of weeks ago. It was an interview with a guy called Ian Plenderleith, another Ian, who wrote a book called The Quiet Fan. And while the book is on soccer football, it absolutely relates to fandom of rugby league and any sport, really. Here are a couple of choice quotes that had me nodding until the screws in my neck came loose. This article is from a site called In Bed with Maradona. I feel fans have been misrepresented for decades. The media focus has always been on the supposed obsessive, but that group is an almost mythical minority. There's a vast swathe of us who experience football, rugby league, in a more mundane manner that doesn't make us less devoted in our way. The importance of football, rugby league, is grounded in its continuity in our lives. It's stable, ever-present, and grounds us. The quiet fan represents those of us who acknowledge that we are watching the main show from the sidelines. It's the same as other aspects of life. The glamorous celeb, the main actors, the big players are at the centre making things happen. The rest of us just have a vote. We're peering in and experiencing the major events secondhand as bit part onlookers. I like that acknowledgement. Thanks, Ian's. 
Elsewhere, Frullins from Melbourne, Frullins, Frullins, got in touch following a great article from our friend Gav Willisey on his time in Toulouse and the south of France. Progressive Rugby League, he said, Toulouse Olympique would be perfect for Super League. I'd love to see a French derby twice a year. Oh, how good. I couldn't agree. How good. I couldn't agree. No, no, but how good. How good. (laughs) Took the words right out of my mouth. It must have been when you... No, I won't finish that. Uh, Toulouse is perfect for Super League. It's a large city. It's a beautiful city. It's a damn cool city. They also play the best brand of footy going around just quietly. One thing in that article, it did mention that the ground sharing agreement with... ...is actually not confirmed. It's not confirmed yet, that's right. Which is kind of worrying because... I mean, when we were there speaking to... Cedric Garcia. Uh, and they were all talking about how excited they were to be playing in this, this great new stadium with like 20,000 capacity. Mm. And they're planning for that, obviously. I'd really... I'm sure everything's fine, right? But I'm sure everything's if, fine. If, if, it's not, if it's not official... Well, I mean, just the good news is I saw some Twitter action from Toulouse Olympic. They were guests at Stade Toulousain's opening game of the season, I think overnight. So, I mean, obviously, there's still a good relationship there. I'm yeah. sure they're just dotting T's, yeah. crossing I's. Whatever they, casualness. Exactly. We'll sign it later. Ah, we'll do it later. <laughs> so, really, there's only upside from Toulouse Olympics inclusions in Super League. We, we know that already, of course. And finally, Big Al in the mailbag. Last week, you were at your wits' end trying to find the scoreline of the Ukraine-Turkey under-19s yes, match. Yes, I was. Well, who other than Michael from Chasing Kangaroos to come to the rescue? 24-0 to the Ukraine. Oh, good for them. Thanks, Michael. We were kind of shocked to contemplate that your research skills, Big Al are not, in fact, impenetrable. And that... <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going, I, I go to the third page of Google, I haven't found it by then, then that's it. Obviously, it's impossible. You are, in fact, extremely human. But thank you, Michael, for helping us out in our moment of weakness. Oh, and I did also want to make a shout-out to two supporters of the show, Hutch and International Rugby League Sumo. They're always, I don't know, saying nice things about the show and being generally supportive. So thank you, guys. It's noted... And appreciated. Thank you very much. So, when it comes to the mailbag, you can get in touch with us on Twitter at ProgressiveRL at Outlook.com and via Instagram. Okay. I've been waiting for this part of the show for a while. All about right. 25 minutes. So, let's get into it, shall we? Slug the gal and me. We like what we see. When it comes to French Canadian Rugby 13s. What an incredible weekend. Yeah. So, there's a, there's a lot to get through. Mm. So, we'll start with the Super League. Okay. And we'll just, you know, we'll start with the Catalan Dragons. So okay. like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Dragons, wobbly, not particularly good. Continued their form, their recent form of generosity, as you've, as mm. you pointed out. And they've given away another two points. And the trouble is, they got confused mm. and they forgot who, they didn't realise who they were giving the two points out to and they gave them to Wigan. Ah. Who don't even need them. They don't need like, the two we, points. They've got two points up the yin-yang. <laughs> so there we go. They've handed them straight over, uh, going down 46-12. Talking points. Nah. It happened. Let's Whatever. move on. Yeah, move on. All right, so let's talk about the second sweet baby. Whoa. The sweet baby that is in desperate need of some sweet love and affection, some good hard advice. So mm. we gave them some advice last week, and that was they're going to need to win their last two games <laughs> to at least have a chance. Yeah, well, sage advice. They've obviously listened to it because they've won their first of those two games. In incredible fashion. Yeah, uh, beating fellow relegation battler Hull KR in a spectacular 20-16 to 16 victory away from home. What a game. What a game, What indeed. a game, what a performance. As I mentioned on Twitter, it was a performance that perfectly epitomised London's 2019 season. They never gave up. They never stopped believing, even when others, including me, were doubting. Incredible game, incredible effort. They led early, then fell behind for much of the second half, and it looked like they were out of ideas. But then a massive break by Ryan Morgan, which left KR at sixes and sevens, and that match winner by skipper Jay Pitts, stirring 
stirring stuff. Yeah, you couldn't have scripted it better. And at at twelve nil, you're like, wow, this is awesome. Yes. But then once it was well, sixteen twelve, I think mm. before they scored the finish try, you're like, well, it was always going to happen eventually. They're always yeah. going to get run down. But bam, yeah, taking it home. That keeps them, as you said, Big Al, well and truly alive for the final week of the year. They travel to Wakefield, and the equation is simple: win, they stay up; lose, and they go down. And Wakefield, their opponents, of course, could go down with a loss too. So the stakes. They just couldn't be higher. Yep. And, of course, they've played Wakefield twice this year, beaten them both times, including a first-round victory on the first day of the season. So, really, bookending the year against Wakefield, first round, last round. But what's going to happen? So, before we go any further, this is the mm. third time they've played them. Mm. Does that make this a loop fixture? <laughs> it sure does. So, is this a loop fixture game mm. involving London to yeah. decide whether they stay or leave the, the Super League yeah it's such an education it's just it's just, it's just it's all coming together isn't it yeah Very- <laughs> absolutely incredible so there's four teams in danger you've got Wakefield Uddersfield London and the fourth one is of course Hull KR so I've been thinking about this all week mm. oh well not all week sorry since, since all the results have come in yeah. one of those four teams has to go down I know who do you think it is I don't want to say, you know, because they've, they haven't played well or like they're a, whatever. Like in just terms of, you know, we all know how important the correct makeup of teams is mm. for Super League, for mm. English Rugby League. Of those four teams, who do you think should drop out? Oh, that's really Hull, Huddersfield, Wakefield. Wakefield, London. Well, I don't like wishing relegation on anyone. No, I, I, let me, I don't want to say this is something you want them to leave, mm. but one of them has to leave. Hmm. So which one do you... I'm trying to phrase it in a way that's like all positive. Which one would you least like... No. Most not want to have to okay. stay? I, I know what you're getting <laughs> at. So let's just get to the crux <laughs> of it. Look, the way I like to look at it is demotion to the championship is not such a bad thing. The championship, as we know, is a fantastic competition. It has great teams like Bradford, Toronto, Andor, Toulouse, and others. So, you know, it's let's call it a positive. Okay? You have to do it. So Please. on that note... I would say that out of those four teams, which I must say, I love them all. I love all of these teams. <laughs> and I have a, an emotional connection to every single one of them. But if I had to choose, you put a gun to my head. Mm. Are you putting a gun to my head? Uh, it's, it's there right now. I'll go Wakefield. I'm sorry, Wakefield. Mm. Yeah, it's no, Wakefield. That's, that's the answer I came to as well. Mm. Um, but of I, course, Wakefield have a proud history. We visited Wakefield. Yeah, yeah. I love Wakefield. Uh, I, I mean, that's we, Mike. Mike Wiles is like in Wakefield, so we've got a deep connection to Wakefield. Exactly right. But the only thing that was sort of keeping me, we did, I didn't visit the grounds of, of Wakefield. Mm. We haven't seen what kind of stadium they've got. Mm. But oh, I, it's I, Bellevue, it's it's not great. Right. Okay. Well, I, I just was thinking back, like Trailfinders. Mm. It's not. It's, it's a tennis. It's, it's, tennis it's not. It's just not top flight. No. And so the idea of a team in a location like London mm. playing out of that place, and I'm not saying it wasn't bad. The facilities were excellent. Mm. It's just tiny. It's and a it's, tennis complex. It's yeah. in the middle of a tennis complex. Look, we all know that the importance of having a team like London, a team from the capital, in a sport like rugby league that's known as a northern sport. Mm. So we know the importance of that. We want to see London in there. But I'm pretty sure, if I'm reading between the lines, the upper echelon at Super League, because they're looking for those headline wins, they wouldn't mind seeing London go down. Not because they don't like London and they don't think there's a place for London, but all of a sudden, your average crowd goes up when you take out London and you bring in someone like Toronto or something who's getting seven or 8,000. You take out a team that gets 2,000 on an average day and all of a sudden, they're because they're, they're thinking short-term and they're thinking, I want quick wins to satisfy the people who've hired me 
and mm. all that sort of thing. So I'm wondering what their thinking is. I mean, not, I, I would I would agree with you in the thinking, but there's no way that anyone in the Super League, anyone mm. in a, a position of power in the Super League, in on the club side, wants Toronto in there. They're all anti-Toronto. Completely. Yeah, that's a good point. But yeah. Probably like I don't know Bradford or yeah, yeah. you know someone that, that will get a good local crowd. Yeah, that's yeah, right. I do yeah. agree. With no, that. very good point. Very good point. So let's go through the the games in the last weekend of the season, shall we? Or do you want to go through the ladder first? What's yeah. your, what's all your right. preference? Well, we'll go through the ladder. So well, Catalan seventh place, twenty six points, negative four, whatever. Like yep. sorry, no disrespect for Catalan, but there's no change. Business we- as usual. All right, and then of course London twelfth place, twenty points. Negative zero. Mm. So they are in last place because of that four and against. That's right. So we have Huddersfield, Halkaya, Wakefield also on 20 points. The main fixtures this weekend, as we said, Wakefield v London. Salford are playing Halkaya. Salford are coming third or fourth. They're in great form. Jackson Hastings on fire. Krizan Inu playing very well. The other game of note is Huddersfield. They're playing Sweet Baby Catalan Dragons. And we all yeah, know... We all know exactly. They're quite a know. generous team, aren't they? Very generous <laughs> team to relegation-bound team. So you would think Huddersfield have a very good chance of getting those two points. Hull KR and Salford, well, I mean, you'd think Salford should be favourites in that game, although you never know. Wakefield, London, it's going to... It's just so close to call, but I, I do believe London can do it. Do, do we have broadcast details for this game? Is this is this a, a TV game? Yes, Wakefield and London is on Sky, so that's okay, very so exciting. Okay, so we can only hope that it's on Australian yeah, TV. Yeah, I'm sure it will be on Australian TV. Oh, man. Oh, gracious <laughs> me. <laughs> I've got to say, I was listening to the London Hull KR game on Saturday morning, Sydney time. I was going for a run, and I put it on in my ears, and it just had me going. It was so exhilarating listening to the commentary because there's so much at stake, and this ended up being my the longest run that I've had for years. I haven't run that. Stop far. I couldn't stop game. listening to it, and I just had <laughs> unending energy yeah. because there was so much happening, and it was going to happen, then it wasn't, and then they eventually won, and I just. <laughs> Keep going. There you go. The London Broncos. Good for your health. Good for your health. Good for your health. So that's Super League. What an incredible that's... round we have coming up. The last round of the season. Yeah, Can't wait. Unbelievable. All right. So we'll uh, we'll go, go down to the championship. Toronto defeated Lee 46-12. Mm-hmm. Oh, look. It was a, a good strong win over a fellow semi-finalist for Toronto, but not necessarily the test they were after. After all, the result of the Toulouse game, which we'll get to shortly, after that, Lee knew they couldn't come any worse than fourth. They were going to host that elimination final so they effectively had nothing to play for then again from what i hear it was a very intense quote-unquote spicy game so it was a a good (laughs) physical contest now while we're on toronto wolfpack there was other toronto wolfpack news during the week bob hunter was appointed as toronto wolfpack chairman and interim ceo he has a decent cv too most recently was working for maple leafs sports entertainment they basically own the toronto maple leafs in the nhl the toronto raptors nba among others so they own them yeah i think so cool wow do you reckon do you reckon they're gonna buy the wolfpack I don't know. That would be cool. That would be pretty cool. I'm not sure how much clout he has at Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment, but who knows? So, look, he knows the Toronto market, and hopefully he can clean up some of those, you know, awkward stories we've heard over the last couple of months, you know, late payments to players, non-payments or controversial bills, that sort of thing. So, (laughs) as we've said, we love the Wolfpack. Toronto Wolfpack is effectively a startup operation, and our experience of startups is it's nothing but an exhilarating but chaotic experience. Indeed. So hopefully this appointment helps take them to the next step from startup to club or as they say in North America, franchise. 
Now, what else happened good. in the championship? Uh, all right, so in the championship, continuing with the championship, Toulouse, a very close game. They've defeated a oh. uh, fellow top fiver, Featherston, 26-24. to 24. So, yeah, uh, down 18-0 by the half-hour mark, and then went on to pile on 26 unanswered points to make it 26-18. And then Will Featherston scored what I thought at the time was a consolation try in the 77th minute mm-hmm. uh, to make it 26-24. Then the game ended with a little bit of controversy. Mm. So in the final minutes, Featherstone uh, crashed over to w- score what they believed was a try, mm-hmm. um, with the referee calling it held up, yeah. changeover. So controversial. Uh, controversial. There's, it's not. I mean, the only replays you'll see are the ones that are on YouTube with the Toulouse Olympic highlights with the Audio Jungle soundtrack. So there's mm. no bunker reviews of that. So could have gone either way. I'll stick with the held up call personally. Yeah, always go with the ref. Look, the stakes were very high in this game, and it was an intense game from what we saw at the highlights. Mm. A win for Toulouse, and it was a home semi. A loss, and it was a likely away semi which would have meant being on the road for at least two weeks in a row, which is not easy for a French team, especially during the playoffs. And playing against Featherston, who were gunning for a home elimination semi-final spot. So it was very intense. There was a bit of niggle there, a close finish, and a great result in the end. And I actually got in touch with a friend of the show, Sylvain Houlet, afterwards, just saying congratulations. And he said, look, it was a perfect game to have leading into the finals. Tough opponent, you know, a very close game. So he's feeling good about things going mm, forward. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. And look, they will have to improve though, because they were down 18-0, and there were two soft tries from dummy half, those first two tries. I think Cameron King, former NRL player, mm. played for the Eels. And then they were down 18-0, as we said. Then Cameron King went off with a serious neck injury. I believe he's okay, which is good news. And then the game started to turn. So no doubt about it, Toulouse will have to improve on that if they face Featherston again. Yeah. But, I mean, what a... Tremendous regular season for Toulouse. You know, they keep improving year on year. This year, finishing second in the regular season. A home major semi final versus York City Knights. And they win that, then they head to Toronto for a grand final qualifier. Do we know broadcast ability of championship finals games? Are they, on, are they being yes. covered at all? So, Sky Sports have the rights for championship fixtures. They just choose generally not to show them. <laughs> So, but this weekend, they are showing the Lee Featherston Elimination Semi. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are not showing the Toulouse-York game, but they will be streamed on our league app. Mm. So, they do a great job. So, if you have an internet connection, I do yourself a favour and watch Toulouse play in a semi-final at Blagnac. And hopefully, they get a great crowd there because they very much deserve it. All right, cool. So, we'll look at the ladder, the way it finished up. Toronto, Mm. uh, first place, 52 points, and Toulouse, second place, on 40 points, so successful seasons for both the babies. Great. Anything else happening in the world of international rugby league? Uh, one more tidbit for you. El Salvador have taken out the Guzman y Gomez Latin Rugby League Nines this weekend, defeating mm. Chile 18-16. That's the reverse of the result we saw when we saw El Salvador and Chile play at Henson Park. Yes, at day. the Festival of South American Rugby League. That's right. And I remember saying to you, because Chile were way on top, but I said to you, I think El Salvador, they're more a nines team. And I think that's come out. <laughs> now, I want to ask you a question before we finish up. What's happened with Tonga? What's going on with Tonga? Uh, oh, well, uh, yeah, seeing as I'm a, I'm a Tonga insider. So, uh, no, as far as I know, there is player rumblings around the current administration and the retention of the coach. So I think Christian Wolf's position mm. is either either he's been terminated or it's under review mm. and Garth Brennan mm. is the incoming coach I believe mm. and the players aren't down with that so there's a bit of a threat of boycott yeah look it's an interesting one when you've got these tier two nations that are rising up the international rankings with the 
availability of high quality players and you've got administration side of things that it's still very amateurish it's a weird kind of tension that goes on when you call it growing pains or something but anyway whatever it is we hope the two sides can get together we don't want to see a boycott of the Great Britain Lions too definitely not all the all the World Cup nines Mm. that's the last thing we want and I think the reality is the players have the power in these situations so you know if we want to see Tonga continue to go from strength to strength in this situation maybe you just gotta listen to the players I would find it really interesting to know what why the current administration doesn't want to retain Christian Wolf. Mm. seeing as he invented Tonga mm. as a rugby league powerhouse mm. the current version of the team yeah. he he built like he helped recruit the players he convinced Fafita and Tom Alolo to, to flip yeah. and to join Tonga and if it weren't for that you know, the wonder that it currently is that the Tonga rugby league team juggernaut wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't exist in its current form and that and all we have him and the players of that team to thank for what's going on in international rugby league currently mm. um, so it is a strange I mean, one. It would just be really cool to know what the, what the inner workings are there, but... Fingers crossed, fingers anyway. Fingers crossed, yeah. Look, two more little tidbits. Swinton Lions changed their name to Manchester Lions. Okay, yeah. a rebrand. A, a rebrand. Si- a Sydney Tigers-style rebrand. Well, I think this one might have more legs. I mean, Swinton have basically been struggling for a number of years, and the people running have been propping up individually. So it seems like last chance saloon for Swinton Lions to rebrand. Obviously, Manchester's a global city. People, everyone knows about it. So hopefully it works. I mean, there's a lot of disquiet from traditionalists in Swinton. You can understand their heartache, but really feels like there's no other choice. So fingers crossed it works out for them. I hope they pull through. And with our York City Knights ladies team, they went down 16-26 to Featherston. So that's their last home game of the season. Uh, One of their highest points tally of the season and one of their closest losses. So well done on a a great season of continuing development for the York City Knights ladies team. Mm. So look, what an incredible international update. Thank you, Big Al, for your your part in that. Let's finish off, shall we? With a prog mile, what you got for me? I feel like you've. I feel like I've been set up here because I did say at the beginning of the show before we hit record. I'm really sorry. I was really. It's a really busy week for me. I haven't got a prog mom. And then you just started recording. So (laughs) my progressive moment is. Pending. Pending, all right. <laughs> Pending well, delivery. I've got a couple. You can claim one. Okay. I'm going to say them, right, but you, well, can, okay. you can have one okay. of them. You can choose, right? Ready? <laughs> Pillar number one, as I've said many times, is chuck it around, entertain us. And I've seen uh, two games between the 15th and 16th place team in the NRL, the Gold Coast v Dragons. I've seen two games between those teams recently, and both have been genuinely entertaining. And that's what you want to see from the bottom two teams. Nothing to play for. Terrible season, so you may as well chuck it around. And that's what they've done. So kudos. The last thing you want to see from two hopeless teams playing an end-of-season dead rubber is seeing you know, a complete your sets. It's a wrestle fest. Oh, yeah. So good on you for chucking around some sparkling tries, really, yeah. from both teams. Good on you. Now, elsewhere, in Blackpool, there was a grand day out on Saturday the 7th of September, an event hosted by the RFL, which brought together all parts of the community game. There was touch football, wheelchair footy in the indoor arena, Learning Disability Rugby League, Euro Tag, which we love so much, Masters Rugby League and Physical Disability Rugby League, where Adam Hills, I think, made an appearance playing for his Warrington team. Now, by all accounts, it was a fantastic day. The RFL's largest social and inclusion festival. And if you go online and if you go on the Twitters, there's just so much wonderful, heartwarming content, especially from the Learning Disability Rugby League side of things. So well done, RFL. Well done, all involved. What a wonderful day it was in Blackpool. Do you think that is the only rugby league event to have been named after a Wallace and Gromit episode? I'm going to go with 
I've got no idea. <laughs> well, I mean, if we can talk about if there's anything qualified, the second one, I'll definitely, that's, that was a prog mom. Mm. If we can just talk about silly things that happen on the football field as a prog mom, well, then my prog mom is that this weekend Newcastle were awful and Penrith got to like score some cool tries. Actually, there was some really, really cool pillar worthy tries out of that game. So, yeah. Viliamo, uh, Kikau, Flicking back off the touchline to yeah. number nine for the, for the Panthers. So, yep, that's a best problem. Yep, claimed it. Done. No, no, I've, I've delivered one. No, it doesn't count. No. You know what <laughs> I'm thanks, finding God. more and more common in this podcast? Yeah. So you set the rules. <laughs> and I just have to follow them. Which I guess is only fair because you do all the work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Look, ladies and gentlemen, let's, let's call it, shall we? Okay. Okay. Rugby League Holiday. <laughs> See ya. See you folks in Rugby League. We trust. See you next week. Woo. How'd you go? What'd you think? That was good. Come on then.